In today's episode, I applaud the health benefits of bacon, and a Chick-fil-A employee serves up more than just a delicious chicken sandwich. Also, we discuss the outrage over Disney's new show called Little Demon. Are we surprised? We will discuss this and much more on today's episode of Talks with Josh. Let's get into it. As always, I'm really excited to get into today's content. We have a lot of good stuff planned on today's show. If this is your first time listening, I want to encourage you to subscribe and follow so you don't miss out on any content as it comes out. Also, leave a voicemail and ask a question or suggest a topic. This just helps me out as there's a lot, obviously a lot of issues out there that aren't on my radar and it gives me ideas for future episodes. There's a link for that in the show notes. And if you like what you're hearing, I want to encourage you to consider becoming a monthly partner. You can give as little as a dollar a month, and that just helps in the cost of producing this show. All right, with that out of the way, we're going to talk about food. I am convinced that bacon will be one of the featured items at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, hearing bacon sizzling in the frying pan, it's almost a spiritual experience. You know, as a kid, you get up in the morning and all of a sudden you hear that that sizzle and there's something that just comes alive, that leaps within your very soul. Uh, what could be better than biting into a hot piece of bacon, getting that initial crispiness, but also that bit of fat and the tender pieces as well. You throw a piece of bacon on top of an egg sandwich and you have arrived at the pinnacle of breakfast heaven. Now, I've always loved bacon and it's interesting to kind of find out from different people how they like their bacon cooked. Some people like it crispy to the point of just hearing that snap. You know, when you break it in half, it just like, it's just that snap. Or some people like to just wave a candle over it and call it done. I'm probably in between. I like to get my bacon where you get that initial crispy texture, and then you bite into it, and it's still tender, Uh, but then you get the fat on the ends. It's just, bacon is one of those things that I, I love. It's probably not the healthiest thing, but it is a health benefit, because it makes you happy, (laughs) and, uh, you know, when you're when you're happy eating breakfast, that gets you going. That could and you know, bacon doesn't have to just be for breakfast. My wife makes this amazing it's called a West Virginia baked bean dish. And it's baked beans. There's baked beans, Catalina dressing, and there's bacon strips on top. And um I confess that at family gatherings I'm usually hoarding the bacon. I'll grab a couple couple of the slices and just throw that on there. The, the beans are great too, but it's, it's the bacon because then you get all that bacon grease into the, the dish itself and that just makes everything better. I saw a thing on, uh, on the internet a couple nights ago where people are freezing bacon grease into the ice cube tray 
and then you can pop it out and use it for whatever you need to. I think it's a great idea. I think bacon is just one of those foods that uh, that the Lord's going to celebrate in that in that marriage supper. I'm, I'm convinced of it. All right, speaking of food, that brings us into our first topic in our trifecta of topics. We're going to be talking about the glorious establishment known as Chick-fil-A. I, I, I just, what can be said of Chick-fil-A? What can be said of their customer service, of the food they offer, their values, all those different things. Incredible company. And in fact, we could probably spend a whole podcast just delving into the history, uh, talking about Truett Cathy, and just the whole rise of Chick-fil-A. But actually, I want to tell you about a story that I came across a few nights ago. Picture this. You're sitting in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. And by the way, you know, it doesn't matter what Chick-fil-A you pull up to. There's like a hundred cars in the drive-thru. But guess how fast you get your food? In just mere five minutes or so. I, I remember, seriously, there was one day I pull up. There was at least 20 cars ahead of me. And I got my food in under 10 minutes. And that is because of this simple fact. That because Chick-fil-A has, has been directly ordained from heaven, that when you pull into that drive through you are translated from the front of that line to the window to receive your food so fast. It's a supernatural translation that happens, just like it happened with Philip. He was translated. That's what happens every time you get into that drive through line. You wonder, how did I just get through here that fast? I'm telling you, it's, it's supernatural. That's a side note. Um, but picture this. You're sitting in the drive through at Chick-fil-A. You're awaiting your hot chicken sandwich that you just ordered. Maybe you got a sweet tea. Maybe you went a little extra and got one of those brownies. Maybe you went even extra and got one of those frosted lemonades. You're waiting for that chicken sandwich that's being prepared by Michael, the archangel himself, and you hear a commotion. You look up and you see an employee flying through the air, tackling another man. Well, this is exactly what happened here in Florida. Oh, you know, we get all these crazy stories in Florida. I, I, but this is a really good one. Most of the time we get a lot of, we get a lot of bad press. Um, but the headline here is, uh, says Florida Chick-fil-A employee stops carjacking by tackling man outside. This was in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I'm just going to read the article. It says a Florida Chick-fil-A employee is being praised for his quick thinking after he tackled a man trying to carjack a woman with a baby on Wednesday, the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office said. The employee identified as Michael. There you go, Michael. Maybe it was Michael the Archangel in disguise. Michael Gordon can be seen in a video tackling the man in the restaurant's parking lot while a woman in the background was holding a baby sc- uh, while a woman in the background was holding a baby screamed. Um, they need to work on their grammar there. Um, but at any rate, the video is quite something. The sheriff's office said the sus- suspect, 43-year-old William Branch, approached the victim as she was taking her baby out of her car. While holding a stick, he demanded her keys and then took them from the waistband of her pants and went inside the vehicle's authorities said. The sheriff's office said that Gordon ran to intervene when the woman screamed for help. 
Authorities said Branch punched Gordon in the face, but it didn't cause a serious injury. I'm going to stop there. So, do you know why it didn't cause a serious injury? This, this is why. You know, when you go to work for a company, you get health benefits, right? You get your dental, you get your medical, most of the time. You, you get insurance, you get, you get some basic coverage with most companies. When you go to work for Chick-fil-A, not only do you get those things, you get a double hedge of protection. A double hedge of protection. So if someone punches you in the face, it, it doesn't do anything. You're, you're, you're invincible. And that's why it didn't cause a serious injury. I'm guessing it probably didn't even bruise him or do anything. So the employee, Michael, continued to wrestle with the guy and put him into a, uh, a headlock, apparently. And um, what a guy. I mean, going above and beyond. And I'm, I guarantee as he's putting this guy in a headlock, he's saying, my pleasure the entire time so good old florida gets the headlines again and chick-fil-a good job um good job michael good job not just serving up delicious food at a crazy fast rate but also um thwarting a potentially very dangerous situation for a mother and her baby so good job chick-fil-a yet another reason why i will continue to eat there All right, for our second topic and our trifecta of topics, we're going to be talking about music and specifically music in in the context of being a worship musician, a singer, or a worship leader. And I've been leading worship for, I started when I was 18 and I'm going to turn 40 next year. So do the math on that. Uh, Quite a while. I've been playing on worship bands since, uh, since the age of 13. And I've grown a ton. I've seen a ton. I've learned a ton. I've been humbled a ton. I said a ton a lot, (laughs) but you get the picture. And my main purpose for today is to really encourage and exhort and remind us why we were called in the first place. And I think one of the issues that we're facing today as a church is the commercialization of worship music. And that is an entire podcast. We could do a whole series on this that really worship music is a genre. It is a huge genre. And the purity and the devotion and the rawness that once was years and years ago, I fear has has dwindled and waned um, because of this. And I want to share a story actually with you guys to encourage, and uh, it's it's something that I come back to a lot and I remind myself of. So I'm a part of a ministry here in Sarasota called the Sarasota House of Prayer, and. Without getting into crazy detail, essentially my main calling is to minister to the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that I stand in the place of prayer. I stand in the place of intercession, and I stand in the place of being 
uh, a priest or a musician and a singer uh, and basically declare who God is, declare the Bible, speak the Bible, sing the Bible. And much like the priests in the Old Testament would stand in the tabernacle and before the Lord, that's really what God has called me to. I'm going on eight years now, um, coming up next month. And what that has entailed, it's entailed a lot of this. Sitting down at the keyboard or sitting down with a guitar and doing a worship set to a mostly empty room and at times an empty room. And you might be thinking, well, what's the point, Josh? If you're a worship leader, isn't the point of being a worship leader to have a full room that you can lead? You're, you're supposed to lead the worship. So who are you actually leading? And I think what's been lost is even before there's a room full of people, there's one that's seated on the throne. There's one that from eternity past, the elders, the angels, the, the living creatures have been falling down in worship, declaring who God is. This is before people are even created. This has been going on for eternity past. So I think keeping that in mind is important. It's not, it's not just about leading a room. This idea of being a worship leader means in order to be a leader, you have, have, you have to go somewhere first. And I'm kind of getting off topic here. So let me just share the story. So I pretty much every Thursday from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., I lead what's called a devotional set. All that means is it's usually just one person on stage singing and playing. And those in the room that are there, it's a great chance to to do Bible study, to do personal prayer, to uh, you know, just be with the Lord and have a quiet time. And uh, I've done hundreds of these sets. And some of them have been glorious, and a lot of them have been very dry, and I haven't felt very much. And, and so I remember this, particularly this one Thursday morning, I wasn't in a good mood. I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I wanted to be in home, at home in my bed. And uh, I show up, I sit down at the keyboard, I start playing. I immediately realize that I started the song in a much too high key for my voice at, the, at 8 a.m. in the morning. If you, singers, you know what I'm talking about. I had a whole colony of frogs in my throat that I was trying to get rid of. I was like, well, oh well, I'm just going to keep going. Just kind of go through the set. Internally, I'm really struggling. And internally and emotionally, I'm just, I'm like, God, I'm, I'm asking these questions as I'm singing, as I'm worshiping. And I think this is an important point to, to remember is that I think the quote unquote worship experience or the church, the Sunday morning thing has been so fine tuned and honed to the point where just the genuineness and the rawness of just being before the Lord and ministering to him is it's just it's it's just become a, a, a really a performance in many ways. Again, I, I digress a little bit. That's a whole other topic. When I'm sitting there asking the question, I'm going, Lord, why why am I doing this? I was in a funk. I was in a swirl. I was like, Lord, why am I doing this? 
And in his mercy and in his great love, I had this mental picture of Jesus sitting on the other other side of the keyboard and he was watching me. And it wasn't just a casual, like I'm glancing up and kind of noticing that you're playing and then I'm going to go back to whatever I was doing. It was an intent focus. Like he was watching me play and watching me sing and he, and he was enjoying it. And he had this, uh, the look on his face was this mixture of, of uh, joy, compassion, love. It was just, it was, it was unreal really. And it just, it melted me. And um, it, it, it changed everything. And sometimes it's those moments in our Christian walk where God will encounter us or, or do something or say something that goes so far beyond our understanding and our intellectual understanding of who God is. And he'll just break in and just transform things. And that's what happened to me that day when I was just like, okay, God, I, don't, I, I, was, I was asking all these questions, like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm wasting my time. There's literally no one in the room. And that was the other thing. It was an empty room. There was no one there. But Jesus was there and brought back this reality that first and foremost, as worship leaders, as singers and musicians, we're not ministering to people. That's not our primary calling. I would say this. I would say if you're a worship leader, your calling is split up into two things. You have your primary calling, which is what I'm talking about. You need to ministering to the Lord, sitting before him, singing to him first and foremost. That has to be first place. And then the secondary part of your calling is leading the room into what you've experienced in your primary calling. It's not one or the other. So being a worship leader, obviously there's the corporate part of it. I'm not denying that at all. But you can't just operate in your secondary calling. It's not you can, It's not enough just to show up on a Sunday morning, have your set list, and sing some songs and call yourself a worship leader. And the Lord was reminding me of that, saying, look, you... That's coming back to the first place of simple devotion, of being reminded, this is what you created me for. First Peter says that we're a kingdom of priests to God. And music is just one of the ways that we worship. Uh, but in that moment, I was reminded, oh yeah, it all makes sense again. It all, it all is clear once again. And intellectually, in, in my head, I knew this is what I'm called to do. But just because you know you're called to do something doesn't mean you know that you know. And, and there's those times in life when God has to just come in his great love and break in and remind you. And so I just want to encourage worship leaders, young and old. Maybe you're just starting. Maybe you're, you're in your 20s and you're... Maybe you're at a small church, or maybe you're uh, you, you you need encouragement, and it doesn't matter how many people you lead. I've led in front of thousands. 
of lead in front of 10. And that moment, that set, after that happened, nothing really compares to that. I literally was just like, I'm just playing to the Lord and he loves it. And that's the encouragement is it's so easy to get caught up in the trap with the secondary part of being a worship leader, leading the room and you feel like no one's engaged. It's a struggle. You're dealing with your team, the pastoral aspects, all of that stuff. But to step back and and really say, but Jesus, I'm ministering to him. He deserves it. He's he's worthy of it. He's worthy of a thousand empty rooms as long as he's there and as long as I get to minister to him. And that makes, when you're operating out of that primary calling of, of just sitting at his feet, singing those songs to him in the secret place, it makes that secondary calling. It's just an overflow. Everything that we do corporately should be an overflow. It should be an expression of where we've already been in our primary calling. Maybe you've been leading worship for longer than I have, and I just want to commend you for that and bless you. And maybe this is an encouragement for you as well, just to to know that the Lord sees. I think that's the big thing. In that moment, I knew that the Lord saw what I was doing. And when the Lord sees what you're doing, and he's smiling at it, it doesn't matter if you've got 5,000 people in the room. It doesn't matter if you've got 3 million followers on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or whatever, whatever other platform is out there nowadays. All of that just melts away. And that's exactly what happened for me when that, I just had that vivid mental picture. Is All of my disappointment, all of my discouragement, all of my questions just didn't mean anything at that moment because I knew that he was watching. I knew that he was listening. All right, for our third and final topic in our trifecta of topics, we're going to be talking about Disney's new show. Now, this is primarily targeted towards an adult audience. But the truth is, and we're not naive about this, the truth is is that uh, with the accessibility that kids have to television and commercials and the internet, it, it's just foolish to think that kids aren't being, uh, aren't seeing this and obviously are watching way more adult content than uh, we're led to believe by the media. And so um, the, the show that has just hit the scene is called Little Demon. And it's created quite a stir, quite an outrage in not only the Christian community, but just in general, as it should. And I'm just going to read an article from the Christian Post that I think is, is well uh, well put together and uh, it speaks to this and gives you some background and, and information on it. The headline here says, One Million Moms Issues Urgent Warning to Parents in Response to Disney's FX series, Little Demon. The subtitle underneath that says that Satan impregnates woman who gives birth to Antichrist daughter. Need I go on, but I will. 
Disney's new effects series, Little Demon, which features a woman who is impregnated by Satan and gives birth to an antichrist daughter, and it carries graphic violence and nudity, makes light of hell and the dangers of the demonic realm, says One Million Moms in an online petition. Due to the show's content, the group is issuing an urgent warning to parents. Through its adult animated sitcom series, which debuted last week on FXX, Disney is introducing viewers, including children, who might stumble across this series to a world of demons, witches, and sorcery. The Christian conservative group said in the petition, which had been signed by over 17,200 people as of early Monday, along with the demonic content of this series, the minds of younger viewers will also be inundated with secular worldviews that reflect the current culture. The petition cited the Hollywood online news source Deadline as stating, Among other shenanigans, the comedy shows the lore of the mother nude with no pixelation. She strips down in the first episode to perform a ritual, while there are multiple instances of nudity throughout the series. And it goes on, it goes on. Disney is trying to portray witchcraft as a positive tool to fight evil. So, my question is very simple. And I'm going to preface the question by making a statement. Or just by kind of putting a bit of a qualifier out here. I'm going to be stepping on some toes. I realize that. And uh, really my heart behind this is to really share what I feel is a, a very big issue. It's bigger than just the show. Um, and it's, has, it's really connected to the church as a whole. And with that, I want to ask a question. Why so much shock? Why are people so surprised? Why are people so taken back by a company that has made, especially in the recent past, uh, a very definitive stands on how they feel about sexuality, the, the different films that have come out. And many or Christian organizations are calling on Disney to cancel the show. And I, I'm not saying that we don't speak out. I'm not saying that we remain silent. We're called to declare truth. But my conviction here is that canceling this show will not take care of the root issue. The Bible declares, it says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, we've seen that in the heart of Hollywood, Disney, etc. Really, the heart issue here is it's, it's, there's a demonic agenda behind it, and it's perverted and demonic. So canceling one show won't actually fix anything. It's not going to suddenly uh, take care of things. It's kind of like cutting the limb off of a tree and ignoring the roots. We don't want to be silent, but I think it's important to look at the bigger picture. Disney's been promoting demons and witches, etc. for a long time. You know, if you look at Little Mermaid, Snow White, Moana came out in 2016. So it may not, it's not nearly as blatant. And even though there might be some 
good versus evil aspects to it, the whole emphasis or the whole bent towards the demonic uh, has been very present in Disney. But here's, here's, here's the problem. And this is the problem not just with Disney, but with entertainment in general. Most people, and I'll specifically most Christians, are just to- so desensitized. And how do you get desensitized? It's kind of like the frog in the frog pan analogy. You know, the frog starts out in the frying pan, he slowly turn up the heat little by little by little by little. And before he realizes it, he's being fried alive. But because the heat's being turned up slowly but surely, you're, you're kind of immune to it. And that's really one of the big aspects here is that not just Disney, but just entertainment in general there's been such a desensitization to violence, to nudity, to language, to so many different things that it's, it, it, it takes a, such a drastic, blatant show like this to cause people to all of a sudden go, well, this is p- preposterous. We're not going to stand for this. And again, my question, to be totally blunt, is we should have been doing this years ago. Uh, we we should we, we we should have been doing this a long time ago, but the problem is is that people, most Christians, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit as well. Most Christians are very uh, passive when it comes to entertainment and are, are very okay with many things. Uh, a big show out right now is Stranger Things. If that doesn't scream demonic, I don't know what does. Um, when Cuties came out on Netflix, people were in an uproar, and rightfully so, and canceled their Netflix subscriptions. But the issue here is that there's been a desensitizing, there's been a anesthetizing against evil for so long, and the church has put up with it. And to be totally blunt, the world looks at the church right now and laughs. They just laugh at us. We have mega churches touting their hot new services, complete with secular music, uh, you know, uh, Sunday at the movies. We got holographic pastors. We no longer have a voice because we have abdicated our authority as being salt and light. So I look at this and I go, the the world, or more or more uh, specifically, Satan looks at this and just laughs at at the church. He just laughs at us because uh, he goes, he's probably thinking, you know, you're going to cancel one show. I've got plenty more where that came from. And, and, and so I'm being very direct and I'm being direct because I think this is very important in my heart, really my heart in this is to see the body of Christ, to see the bride of Christ come back to purity, come back to no compromise, come back to holiness. And the same individuals who are ranting about this show are totally fine with watching other shows. And so there's really a double standard. It's, there's hypocrisy. And when you have a double standard, you don't have authority. And, um, you know, I, I think of Game of Thrones. I think of 
other shows like that that are out that are just filled with garbage. And how do I know this? Well, because the numbers don't lie. The stats are sobering. You know, the pornography usage among pastors is staggering. The divorce rate continues to climb. And the church is being saturated with humanism and immorality. And it just continues to do this. Now, the Bible is clear. As the end draws near, darkness is going to increase, but also the light is going to increase at the same time. The Bible also talks about this in in terms of the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. They grow up together. Darkness and light growing up together. And so, yes, the show is horrific. And there, there should be a, an outcry. But I think the real answer here is Disney's going to do what Disney does. Hollywood's going to do what Hollywood does. You, you know, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think the answer is radically looking at our values as a Christian culture, looking at our values, looking at what we're watching and hearing and putting into our minds and into our hearts and repenting, asking God for mercy and going that direction. That's my honest opinion on this. And really the bigger answer even above that, and I think that'll lead to this, but really the answer is widespread revival. We need revival in our America. We need revival that's birthed through repentance, through tears, through prayer, through desperation. There are saints that have been praying and contending for this, and this is the answer that we need. We need widespread revival. And... Uh, I think one of the other reasons, another angle on this, that Hollywood and Disney in particular continues to just move forward, this agenda, this whole agenda that we talked about in previous episodes, the LGBTQ plus agenda, and there's the agenda of darkness, is because we as a church have abdicated our authority and we've chosen to become like the world and we've, we've laid aside that authority that we have as believers to impact our culture. So just to further illustrate and show how depraved and evil uh, all of this is, the actor and executive producer who voices Laura, who's the main character on Little Demon, the one that gets, I mean, it's just awful to even say it, impregnated by Satan. I mean, just the, the, the perversion of this. She said this quote, She says, I love that we are normalizing paganism. Laura is a pagan. She's a witch. She's jacked, end quote. This is an actual quote from the actor and executive producer of this show. And this is where we are at as a society. And I believe that it goes way beyond you know, canceling the show. It goes way beyond dealing with one limb of this incredibly large 
insidious tree. Uh, or to put it more uh, in context, the dealing with just cutting off one head of this serpent. Uh, it, it goes into us as a church regaining our authority through repentance, through intercession, through holiness, through dealing with our entertainment values and putting aside and putting away the things that are currently okay and saying no more. We're not going to support this with our lifestyle and doing a full 180 and going the other direction and asking God for mercy. We need widespread geographic revival. We need the kind of revival that, that, we, we, we read about in the history books of revival where bars were shut down, strip clubs shut down. Businesses couldn't do business because God was there. That's the kind of revival that we need. We don't need another service. We don't need another sermon. We don't need another great worship group to come along and write worship songs. We need God to move. We need the Holy Spirit to do what he loves to do and that's to declare truth and to declare righteousness. And we need revival and we need it now. And this, this show, it's, it, we're so numb. Our spirits are so dull as a church that we just see this show and we're reacting to it. And we're going, oh, this is awful. And it is awful. But what's even worse is, is where we're at because of what the church hasn't been doing. We haven't been taking our stand. We haven't been contending and warring against these things through holiness and through intercession. And that's what I'm calling the church back to. That's what I want to do as a believer. It's what I want my family to do. And because the reality is that we that only the Holy Spirit, only revival... Only God himself can deal with the root issue. Well, once again, I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Talks with Josh. I hope it encouraged you and strengthened you. And I look forward to the next episode as we discuss even more content together. Till next time.